You're listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life, hosted by Travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Travel Nursing and Allied Life podcast. Welcome to the Allied Minute. I am sitting here with Travel MSW, Travel Social Work, Melanie. Melanie, thank you so much for joining. Um, For those joining this episode, we're going to be talking about travel social work. Um, If you are a recruiter wanting to learn more about travel social work, if you are a traveler, Travel MSW, Travel Social Work, that is interested in learning the differences between your profession and travel nursing, that is what we're going to be breaking down in this episode. But Melanie, can you please give us a brief introduction of how long you've been traveling um, and kind of just a little bit of how you got started? Sure. Well, thanks, Dylan, for having me. Um, Yeah, my name is Melanie. I am a social work traveler, medical social work traveler. Um, I have been on the road for three years. I just finished my 11th assignment. I've been very fortunate to be all over the country and work in small hospitals of 80 to 1100 bed hospital. So it's just been an amazing, amazing experience. And I'm really excited to uh, share some knowledge with you. Mm-hmm. Melanie, are you usually doing the hospital setting or have you been bouncing around? I have. I've been typically in an acute care setting. Um, I have a, a position, an assignment brewing right now that will take me out of that um, into another hospital setting. And so trying to branch out, I think, is really important it's always a challenge because if you don't have experience, how do you get experience sort of thing? And it's a matter of a recruiter taking a chance on you. And then the hospital and the hiring manager, director that, you know, says, you know what, you're, you've got a lot of transferable skills and I think you'll do great at this position and give you the opportunity. Awesome. Good, good. Um, For those recruiters that are joining, Melanie, could you give just a brief description of what a social worker does? Sure. Um, MSW, LCSW, LICW, LSW, there's a lot of different letters. Um, We are all the same in that we are uh, social workers, typically within a medical setting. Um, And most of the time, probably a huge portion of the time, we fall under case management. So we are run the gamut. We can be, I've worked for hospital systems where we are consult based only. Um, So we're just called to situations, typically social, um, sometimes, you know, with adult protective services, children protective services, that sort of thing, or we're part of uh, a dyad or triad model. So again, falling under that case management umbrella, it's kind of all encompassing. So discharge planning, social work, a little bit of everything. Awesome. Being a home health therapist, one of the hardest things I struggle with is knowing the resources that are available to my patients. Um, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you learn all that so quickly and uh, move forward so that your patients are getting the best care? It is such a common question for whether you're in, you know, in travel for a long time or people that are starting out saying, oh, my goodness, how do you know? Google is your best friend, number one, first and foremost, using your, you know, common sense analytical skills. But some hospitals, you are walking into a phenomenal environment where they have, you know, binders, they have shared drives, and there's a lot of great information out there. Sometimes you're walking into systems 
that have a shared drive that is two, three, five, ten years old, um, or even information books with information that's outdated. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's up to you learning all of that. I keep a notebook and um, a business card folder in every assignment that I have. So as you gather those resources, I personally pay it forward. Typically, most of my assignments, you are replacing a traveler and a traveler is coming right behind you. So if you're able to hand that off, that's huge. Because again, we're here together um, to build this community and uh, support each other. That's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Melanie, also for those um, recruiters that are just joining, wanting to learn more about your profession, can you give a brief description of um, what your education looks like, and then usually about how much experience you need before you're able to jump into travel. Sure. Um, well, and it's interesting. Um, you know, I have learned from experiences this past year um, attending a Travelers Conference, TravCon. Um, there are a lot of agencies that are case management specific and revenue cycle specific, yeah. but then there are a lot of agencies that are nursing driven that dabble in case management. Education-wise, typically you have a a master's in social work, which is an MSW. Uh, There's lots of different licensures out there, and a lot of states do require licensure. For myself, I am an MSW. I've never been unemployed. I have had assignment after assignment for three years, so I don't ever want that to deter somebody. Um, But the biggest thing is having experience. There are many agencies out there that require two years minimum. And the reason being is you need to walk in with the education and the platform to to hit the ground running. Sometimes you get little to no training. I've been on an assignment where I showed up and they said, this is the door code to the copy machine and this is where the bathroom is. And that was it. And you're on your own. So uh, being resilient is huge. Um, Having a great recruiter is really important because they're kind of your your sounding board and the time to vent, that's that safe space. Mm-hmm. And they learn along the way as well. So I've been very fortunate to work with some recruiters that were really open-minded and said, tell me more, help me understand what you do. Because a lot of the recruiters, they're salespeople. They're, this is what they do. And they really, truly don't know what we do or the specialties or that sort of thing. So I think for recruiters trying to break into it, talk to your, talk to your travelers, um, get an understanding. Get to know them personally and professionally. I think that's really important, having that balance and relationship. Some might just want like business as usual. Others want some personal touch, and that's that's important. Definitely. To kind of give you a, a soundboard of um, two things. One, for the experience of just sometimes you show up and you get like zero orientation you're just thrown to the wolves that was my very first contract ever um showed up they gave me a hippo quiz they said here's your password and username and oh by the way you have six evals which is a lot um for a full full day and um two of them spoke english the rest were spanish speaking only and no hablo espanol <laughs> at the time and so that was my experience to coming to contract. But yeah, you have to be ready to just kind of hit the ground running. And usually your password and username doesn't even work for the system. So be prepared for that as well. Um, and for you travelers, most recruiters coming into this, um, they get enticed with the kind of the sales um, side of it. They they know if they can have a full desk, um, it can be a very lucrative job for them. And that's usually what causes the interest. So thinking about that, usually the professions or the college degrees that they're walking in with are like marketing, 
sales, um, business, maybe some psychology majors. Um, but rarely are they coming from healthcare or have a healthcare background. There are some out there, but that's kind of rare. And so usually if you can think of like just your average family member walking in and trying to understand all of the different professions and healthcare and how it all works, um, a lot of them are walking into a really big new world and they're having to learn a lot. And a lot of that comes from the travelers that they work with, um, especially within that first year and that first two years to learn. Melanie, what does the licensing process look like? Is there a big national licensure and you're able to jump between states? Do you have to get a specific state licensure everywhere you go? Um, is there a compact? Uh, kind of describe that for all the other travel social workers. So this isn't necessarily my expertise. So I can just talk from what I've read, um, what I've seen others experience the difference between travel nursing and uh, case management social work per se, um, there's not many states that have reciprocity and it's easy to just fill out an application and get a license in that state. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of hurry up and wait. I've seen people get to assignments and their licensure didn't come through and they were canceled on the spot. I've seen others that worked through their whole contract, got their license at the end there's also many different levels of licensure. So there's so many variables to it. It's, you know, I don't ever want to discourage someone from doing it, but having the biggest takeaway is calling the state board and understanding their process. You don't know what you don't know, but one of the most important questions is, how do I do it? What does it cost? And what the turnaround time is? Because there's, again, you can, you can get it done expedited and boom, you're in an assignment. Mm. or you're stuck and you might lose an assignment because of it. I know for me, I will someday have my licensure, at least my LMSW. But what I personally think I'm going to do is go after the state licenses in the states I want to work, because then you're walking into a position when you see, you know, an advertisement for uh, LMSW in New York, you're like, hey, I got a New York license, easy peasy. So it sometimes works on the front end and, you know, that, that's kind of my takeaway, but you don't know what you don't know. Don't ever be afraid to ask. Awesome. What have been the states that you worked in so far and what's been the turnaround time for their licensures? So I have been in, oh goodness, I have been in North Carolina, Texas, California, Virginia, Florida, DC. Um, and again, every state is different. So uh, not having a license, I'm not licensed. So I don't know exactly the process for each one. And to add to that, case management's made up of social workers and nurses. Hmm. I would assume nurses have to have a licensure in every state to work, even under the case management umbrella. But don't quote me on that. I'm not 100% hmm. sure. So like I said, unfortunately, this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, so I can't say specifically, mm -hmm. um, but it is definitely different than nursing, you know, bedside nursing mm -hmm. into case management. Definitely. All right. When you <clears throat> come on board, um, minus the contracts that you've been to where you just get shown where the copy machine is and go, um, what's been the orientation look like? What's been the normal kind of um, run time to get your feet wet and up to 100%? Is it around a week? Is it around two days? What does that usually look like? Orientation, of course, varies everywhere you go. And it's something I encourage um, any traveler, you know, bedside or not, to just ask that question during your interview process. Um, oftentimes, you know, 
you have some good interviews where they cover everything and you're kind of left with, hey, I got no questions, but don't ever hesitate to ask that question. Sometimes what they say is completely different than what you walk into. <laughs> we all know that. Uh, but, you know, I have had um, a healthcare uh, hospital organization on the West Coast. They had three weeks of orientation. That's phenomenal. But as a seasoned professional, you're kind of like, okay, can I have an assignment like <laughs> two hours into the assignment? Like, okay, let's go. But oftentimes it's, it speaks volumes to the hospital's mission and values, even as a traveler that you belong, where others, you're just a traveler, you're expected to jump in with little or no guidance. And that's what we pride ourselves on, you know, hitting the ground running. So it really can vary. I've been on assignments with five minutes. I've been on assignments with three weeks and I've been on assignments, everything in between. I think probably on average is three to five days. That gets you acclimated. That gets you trained. If you don't know the computer system, you're going to have to learn that. Oftentimes I'm seeing now uh, all the modules that we're always required to do from HIPAA to, you know, all the stuff that we have to do that truly not necessarily has to do with our job. They're asking that to be done prior to starting your assignment. So I think they're taking out that half day to a day of HR orientation kind of stuff to really get you up to speed. Because obviously they're behind eight ball when they're hiring you and they need a traveler. So I think that's important too, but don't hesitate to ask because it could certainly vary and that could prepare you, especially as a newer traveler. That's huge because you want to walk in there knowing as much as you can. And even with your preceptors. They're going to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly, mm -hmm. take it for what it's worth, mm -hmm. uh, but make it your own. Make sure I, one of the biggest takeaways, make sure you show up with a pen and a, and a pad and paper and a notebook. I have a notebook for every single assignment I've ever had because <laughs> from the passcode to the system, to the doctor, you need to page to what their paging number is. You name it. It's, it's information that you're going to need throughout your entire assignment. The pen and pad is a great, um, great recommendation. I personally like to take notes on my phone, but what I found out is that if I take notes on my phone, they think I'm texting or something like that. And it comes off very unprofessional. So what I've done is I started, I went back to pen and pa pen pad, um, which is unfortunate because usually like, I like to be able to just search something up if I'm like, Oh, I, I know I asked that question. Like, what do I, what am I supposed to do? Or I just forgot. Um, or just being very direct, like, Hey, I'm going to pull out my phone, but just no notes. I'm not actually like, you know, busy texting somebody. Um, that's been something that has popped up before. Um, Melanie, what does a typical schedule for case working and case management look like? Our typical day is eight to four 30. Oftentimes we're coming in and have to do either a huddle or an IDT interdisciplinary team or MDR, same thing. Sometimes it's when you walk in the door and you have to rely on your census from the day before and the patients that you have as a traveler, that's hard. Sometimes you get floated and you have no idea yeah. and it's okay to say you have no idea, but my badge reel says everything is figure outable. And it is, there's no shame in saying, I don't know, but let me find out. So you're going to go through that whole day, every day. I don't let me look at the last notes from the case manager. And sometimes there are none. You do have to figure it out. You're constantly prioritizing, prioritizing and running by the seat of your pants. 
you might get a call at four o'clock that uh, someone needs oxygen to mm. go home and they want that patient out that day. And depending on the vendors and depending on the doctor's paperwork and order and all of those things, you might have to wait and, and get it processed. Sometimes you can lean on your nurses. Uh, I've worked in many facilities where the team environment between case management and nursing was huge. And you can rely on that to just, you know, hand it off. And other times you do have to see it through. Uh, a lot of times it's just kind of a, a hurry up and wait. Mm -hmm. By the morning, you're going to know what patients you need discharged. But sometimes you're waiting one, two, three, four, five hours for a doctor to write an order. And you're kind of held hostage, if you will. And it's horrible because our job is to be as proactive as we can. But when you look at length of stay, which most of us have length of stay meetings, the reason why the patient's still there has nothing to do with us, but we're the scapegoat. And it, you know, it's, it's a revolving issue in every hospital I've ever been in. So, you know, don't let them see you sweat, keep a smile on your face or a smile in your voice when you're talking to the doctors or patients or families, do the best that you can, but don't ever be ashamed to say, you know what, I don't know, because if you follow it up with, I don't know, but let me find out at least you're, you're being accountable and you're following up and that's crucial communication. Uh, I can't stress that enough with the whole interdisciplinary team, because I might have to go to a therapist and be like, do they need to go to a sniff? Do they need home health? Do they need a key rehab? And there's going to be a big difference in plan A and plan B. And I might say today, oh no, they're good with home health, but tomorrow, oh yeah, they had a fall in the room and now they need a sniff. And that's for us rework everything that we already started Absolutely. so long as you're flexible and you're patient you can get through your day and the one my my biggest mantra every single day is it's only temporary so you could be in a great assignment where things flow which is unheard of however you'll you'll get through the day you'll make it through the day you'll get your patients discharged one way or another all right um melanie are you guys usually working weekends or is it usually just a normal weekday schedule uh, every assignment varies. Um, as a traveler, oftentimes they'll tell you in the interview that you're going to have to probably alternate weekends. Have some type of weekend availability. Uh, my experience, oftentimes you can go in and negotiate that. Uh, I've said, no problem, I'll work weekends, but I want a three-day on the front end or the back end. Mm. Uh, especially as a traveler, you so whether you are in a desirable area and you want to just go out and explore or you want to go visit your family. So I think it's really important to communicate with a manager, director, supervisor that you're working with. It's really important if you have days off, if it's not in your contract, not all managers will honor. Oh, my goodness, I have a wedding to go to. I need a day off. So just make sure you communicate that and get it in writing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Melanie, is there anything else that you wanted to cover that we haven't covered yet? Um, specifically thinking about the differences between travel, medical, social work and travel nursing. Well, I can say very different salaries. Uh, you know, we see these ads in Facebook groups and, you know, emails from recruiters all day, every day. Um, you know, the average salaries are very, very different but don't let that discourage you. Just understand the process. Don't be afraid to ask the recruiter to break it down for you if you need to. And just know that no two processes are the same. I'm going through contract negotiation right now. Three other social workers have been hired for me. 
I joke and say, well, isn't it cookie cutter? Isn't it easy? Everybody is doing the same thing and doesn't. The one thing I am learning is even though I might have more or less experience, you're usually making the same money. And that's something you just have to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is worth doing. Or you know what? This isn't this isn't for me. We all live the same travel life. So we all have the same experiences. We all go through the same troubles, if you will, on the day-to-day basis. But as far as the process as a whole, they are a separate entity, if you will. But at the end of the day, we're to support each other. I love when I meet other travel nurses and therapists and you know, I've met travel managers that I was like, wow, I didn't know managers, you know, they had interim managers that are actually travelers, but being open and honest and communicating, those are your keys to success. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's a position in the hospital, there's probably a traveler for that position. Um, Absolutely. And there's some popping up every day. The the last um, travel assignment, uh, when when I left, there were more uh, travelers than actual Mm full-time employees. So I think biggest takeaway, we're all a community mm-hmm. and we all stick together and we all support each other. So seek out your community when you get to an assignment because they're definitely around. Definitely. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Melanie, for joining us again. Those travelers that are listening, um, those are going to be the big differences between travel MSW and travel nursing. If you see um, or you're doing your research and you're wanting to jump in, if you're reading blogs, um, if you're listening to podcasts, whatever it might be. If they're talking about travel nursing and it's outside of those big things that we just talked about, it's probably very similar. The pay structure, um, time off, insurance, all that stuff is going to be very same. Um, The things that we've talked about in this episode is really what's going to differentiate you as a travel MSW and um, a travel nurse. Well, thank you so much again, Melanie, for joining. This has been absolutely great. And for those listeners, we'll catch you on the next episode. My pleasure. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks for listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life. You can find the full show notes below or at travcon.org. Please help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 